for today's quick shot of Sips, Suds, and Smokes. Welcome to this Sips podcast episode where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts here today, good old boy Mike, and joining me is good old boy Sparky. Hey, Mike. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. You can't come up with one of Dave's, like, you know, witty quips. We need to have, like, a soundtrack. Well, you know, I was going to say, he usually well. has, like, uh, just available. the perfect, like, uh, South Park quote. Is, for, it, is, this, your, is, is, is this your background Hold piece? Hold on. <laughs> it's coming to me. <laughs> that could be yours. Yeah. You could own it. You That's, may call me Añejo. It's all about that. Yeah, I agree. We, we have to have a stage name that it's goes true. along with this show. I am... Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we definitely have a very exciting show. This is the Bacardi Rum Cocktail Series. No matter what time it is, it's the right time for great Bacardi premium rum, such as the Anejo Cuatro or the Reserva Ocho premium rum. Do you like how I threw, like, you know? I mean, I was. you were almost there. Almost. So close. Almost. Within... Yeah, not even like South Florida ish. It, it was well, that's a whole that's a different beast. <laughs> but you know, my stage name could be like uh, Amore Miguel. Oh my gosh, we need to talk to your wife about that. <laughs> we should we should probably enlist some help on that one <laughs> well, for sure. So listen, we wanted to spend some time actually talking about two classic cocktails today that go great with these rums from McCarty. We'll be rating these cocktails today from one to five. One is the worst and five is our best. So first up, we've got the classic daiquiri and specifically it's the Papa Doble or Hemingway special variant. Uh, no, not the frozen version that oozes out of a machine that many of you are probably thinking about right now. No, uh, now is uh, not the time to think about what you do not have. And I actually have a lot more famous Hemingway quotes to go through. Oh, there's one more here in the middle of Sparky. Um, think of what you can do with what there is, like delicious rum. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got attacked by Hemingway, yeah, I think. Um, I know. Just I can it. hear the literary people just storming the castle going, don't, please stop. I don't normally burn books, but today is one of those days. <laughs> So anyway, so the Papa Doble cocktail was actually born when Hemingway went to, he was down in Cuba, Havana, and he went to the famous La Floridita bar and he needed to use the bathroom as one does when one is Hemingway. Did he have a stage name as well? Papa. (laughs) Papa, I have to go. that That was what was given to him. That's his thing. So he, he was trying to go to the bathroom, and when he came out of the bathroom, I guess it was an inviting bathroom at the La Floridita. <laughs> Sorry, Cuba. Um, so when he came out, he tried the bar's standard, you know, frozen daiquiri. Because in actuality, like back in those days, they did have their daiquiris on frozen shaped ice. So like nowadays, we enjoy them more up neat. Back then, that was the way of things. So, um, So he tried it, and he said... Man, that's good, but I prefer it without the sugar and double the rum. And thus a legend was born. So Hemingway would regularly drink like half a dozen for lunch. And then when he really wanted to tie one on at night, he would drink a dozen plus. So for those of you keeping score on the home version, that's a minimum of 48 ounces of rum. (laughs) 
My God. That is a prodigious man, to say the least. celebratory moment. Well, I would just call that a good start. No, no, it really was. For him, I mean, crap, probably the old man in the sea came right after 48 ounces. So for us mere mortals, uh, the bartender basically, uh, he eventually made the wise decision to add back in the sugar. And also he added grapefruit and I know, sorry, and maraschino liqueur. So, um, Mike, you're looking at me funny. What, What do you got going on there, man? Uh, no, we're about to talk about Hemingway here. Oh, so, okay. You know, yeah. He, he, uh, it reminds me of some of my favorite passages from Hemingway out All of right. this. Nothing happened. The fish just moved away slowly and the old man could not raise him an inch. His line was strong and made for heavy fish and he held it against his back until it was so taut that beads of water were jumping from it. Then it began to make a slow hissing sound in the water and he still held it bracing himself against the thwart and leaning back against the pole. The boat began to move slowly off toward the northwest. My God, that was amazing. I, I like how the fact that we're both drinking and informative educationally. Is that like a real word? It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> I just made it up. I just I just did, did a Juliaism right there. So you know. And I think that when I hear Charlton Heston you know recite Hemingway it yeah. makes me want to have a Papa Doble mm-hmm. like it just instantly right there well let's talk about the recipe for sure I don't know man so we've we'll make this available for you guys on the website so don't panic if you're trying to scribble this down as I'm going through it but this is a the standard edition of the Hemingway special or Papa Doble uh, daiquiri so so the first thing you want to start off with is uh, three and a half ounces a Bacardi four-year Añejo Cuatro rum. So that's really your base right there. The next thing you're going to do is one ounce of freshly squeezed grapefruit juice. Um, the next thing you're going to throw in there is three uh, quarters of an ounce of maraschino liqueur. Um, one ounce of freshly squeezed lime juice. And then a half ounce of of a one-to-one simple syrup. Um, and so you're going to put that, you're going to build all of that in your cocktail shaker and then shake it. I always like to go for a good 20 to 25 seconds at a minimum. You're going to shake it vigorously and then strain it into a chilled coupe or cocktail glass and garnish it with a lime wedge. Um, and I can't stress enough how important it is to go for... <clears throat> Freshly squeezed juice. It really makes all the difference in the world. It really does. So, you know, the thing that uh, always catches me with working with citrus products, whether I'm making a cocktail or I'm cooking, is that the difference uh, between, you know, working with fresh ingredients is just really substantial. Um, So, look, I, I know a lot of you love to just go to the store, buy a carton of grapefruit juice or lime juice that's been pretty squeezed. Little or whatever. plastic lime. Look, you are denying yourself. That's all I have to say. And yeah. I, I would have to say, if you're at a bar and they actually are not preparing uh, this fresh, you know, squeezed in front of you, I have to say you're you're missing out just a just a little bit, you know, actually substantially, you know, on the experience. So if they're grabbing that. You know, that uh, white uh, container out of the well. Or a carton of juice or yeah, something like that. You know, you should just uh, go, I'm 
may not have a second one. So and really using the fine rom, I think, is a huge component of huge it component too. out of this as well. Do not uh, underestimate the selection of rum that we made with this particular uh, recipe. Uh, you know, certainly today the Bacardi Four Year Añejo Cuatro is is an excellent choice. Um, a lot of great rum. I'm, I'm sure would go well, you know, with this, but. It's just a really great balance of kind of all this really working together. So, uh, Sparky, what are some of your tasting notes around this cocktail? So, as I'm tasting it, um, it is it is smooth and balanced. I used a little bit less sugar than I would in a normal one because I think that really the four-year-old Quattro and the pink grapefruit that I used in this kind of add enough sugar to kind of balance that out. So, um you know, very, very light on the palate, um, very smooth. I can see how, I can see how 12 of these would go down very easily. It's a good start. Yeah. And I really recommend Leo Brother, Leopold <clears throat> Brothers Maraschino Liqueur. Um, it is one of the best in my mind out there, very well balanced and a lot better than some of the other options that are out there too. Yeah, so what's uh, what's going to be your sips rating on this cocktail? I'm going to give it a four, but five if I drink 12. <laughs> well, some of my own tasting notes around our recipe for this cocktail today. It's interesting. We did not talk beforehand, by the way. We just tasted independently and wrote things down. It's true. Balance. Really great balance you know, between all this. Um, so I love the fact that you can taste the rum, you can taste the citrus, and the sugar is kind of keeping everything in check. And it's just this really great harmony happening between all of these. Um, I actually wrote down the same. It's easy to inhale these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would, uh, I would actually call this... Uh, is this available by the gallon? Because I think that would just be basically, you know, a good start to it all for sure. Well, I think that actually calls for another Hemingway quote out of this. Oh, God. Are you ready? I No, nobody's ready. <laughs> I've, I've enlisted the greatest literary minds to help us today. So, Brett was radiant. She was happy. The sun was out and the day was bright. She was headed towards the beach. With rum in hand. I want to go to that place. Yes. Well done. Thank you very you much. You know, Mike, I think you're ready to write the next great American novel. <laughs> I think it's time. Thank you. Everyone, please sit down. You know, have a good drink in the middle of this. Um, I think the, the one thing that really makes this drink work is just really good citrus blend. The fact that you're going after a citrus blend of something that has natural acidity to it. Um, as well as uh, the bright aspects for both grapefruit and lime. That's really kind of the interplay, you know, between these. Um, so if I had to tweak, you know, kind of goose with this recipe, it's really depending on probably the variety of grapefruit, you know, that I'm working with. Um, I'm not a grapefruit fan. It's really strange because I have a giant grapefruit tree um, in my house in Florida. And uh, you would think that I would just like yeah, that's eat it all day man. long. I know. Right. And I don't particularly like grapefruit. You know, just, it's just, you know, it's like, hey, uh, what's your name? I don't care. Here's a grapefruit. You know, it's like, <laughs> my name is Mary. Great. Nice to meet you. Here's a grapefruit. I mean, it's just, you know, things falling off that all day long. Um, and actually, that particular variety of grapefruit is is probably a bit too bitter for me. There are a lot of different varieties of grapefruit, and some of them are sweeter and more bitter than others. 
And I would say you need to probably adjust your recipe depending on the style of grapefruit. Lime, eh, not so much. You know, um, there are definitely a wide variety of limes, but I don't think you find the, you know, the taste variation, you know, to be so substantial. You probably have to adjust this recipe. It's that sugar component that is really kind of the X factor in all this. So uh, if you had to modify any part of this recipe, what would it be? I think I'd probably, um, you know, really going for the right... Uh, Often. Sh- sugar balance, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hit, hit as many times as you can. No, I think the sugar balance, you know, I think, um, you know, obviously Hemingway didn't like sugar and was really more about the booze and lime. You know, I think for the modern palate, that's just not something you typically get. I think... Um, you know, going for the full kind of robust piece rather than just going for tart and booze. That doesn't, I mean, it gets the job done quickly, but it's probably not uh, as enjoyable to today's palate. Yeah. I'm thinking what would this be like uh, if you kicked it up with uh, 151? Dear God. Um, well, I didn't need those nose hairs, so it kind of works out well, right? You know, that is like one of my favorite, you know, rums is, you know, Bacardi 151. So, yeah. you know, I'm thinking uh, this could have been really dangerous at a certain point in time in my life uh, where, you know, things that were available by the gallon, you know, <laughs> were combined yeah. with uh, great citrus. No doubt. That could be quite interesting. Pretty you know? quickly. Yeah, quite interesting. Well, um, actually, my sips rating for this cocktail is also a four as well. That's classified. So a really great start. And I would uh, definitely encourage if you've not ventured to this side of creating a daiquiri and the Papa Doble uh, to definitely check this out. Well, that's it for our first uh, cocktail here. On today's episode, we're actually going through a couple of cocktails made with Bacardi rum. And uh, we've gone through one, and now we're on to our second one, which has a really interesting history. So uh, what's up uh, with this one here, Sparky? So the next cocktail that we want to talk about is the legendary Dark and Stormy. Born on the island of Bermuda in the mid-19th century, the cocktail was the result of the combination of the abundant natural resources available in the colony at the time, rum and ginger beer. Mmm. Those are two things that I could just hang out and enjoy, like, forever. Uh, We're going to kick you off the island. You know what? I think I'm just going to hang out, like, right here with all of the rum and the ginger. That's what I'm going to do. I just don't see how that could go. You guys go and, like, conquer that other big place over there. There's some places that need to be colonized. whatever. Just go have that. I've got this under control. There you go. So legend has it that it got its name from a British sailor who exclaimed, It's a color of a cloud that only a fool or a dead man would sail under. And as we all know, rum was very important to British sailors. Um, As a matter of fact, rum was served twice daily in the Royal Navy. Oh, sir, may I have my rum for today? Exactly. You got your daily ration all the way until July 31st, 1970. And that day is a dreaded day in the Royal Navy's history. It's known as Black Tot Day um, because I know. So, but that's that's amazing to me, Mike. Like the fact that up into the 70s, 
there was a giant jug on board a ship where people would gather to get their ration of rum every day. That's why like, wars were glorified, you I, know, for the for the great drinks. Yeah, I, I don't get those perks at work. Definitely, <laughs> that's fantastic. Wait, we are at work, so, so <laughs> you know, well, that's, that's true. like seriously that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> so. So in 1970, finally, you know, there was much debate and vigorous debate in Parliament about, you know, getting rid of this rum on the ships because they felt that there were way too fine of controls and technology to be left to people with, you know, rum-addled hands. (laughs) What could go wrong with British sailors' firearms in rum? (laughs) We've got this Polaris missile. And we've been, we've gotten our ration of rum. Like, what, what should we do with this Polaris all missile? Are they waving to us? Or are they telling, just send the missile right over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. In the nuclear age, probably not a great idea. But, no, but the thing I love is that uh, different British colonies kept it going for a while. And the New Zealand Navy actually kept it going until 1990. God bless you, Kiwis. God bless you, everyone. Mm. Well, listen, uh, before we get to the drinkers, Spiri, there is a legal matter to discuss. What? You're out of order. Ellis. Sit down, you're Herpen not back. recognized. The question before the House is non-debatable. Call the roll. Senator Carpenter. Wow, that's legit. So indeed, Gosling, the makers of Black Seal Rum have five trademarks on the use of the Dark and Stormy, along with the required usage of Gosling's Black Seal Rum. The producers of Sip, Suds, and Smokes would like you to know that the cocktail name Dark and Stormy is trademarked by Gosling to be only made with Gosling Black Seal Rum. This discussion includes a version of the trademark version out of respect for the stupidity of such a thing as Gosling's legal team. Really, it's just Albert from the basement. Side effects of such a spitty might include overwhelming desire to run butt naked out of the bar, an intense desire to hold hands with your barstool neighbor, and adding creamer to your Dark and Stormy. We even listed the following... Navy to help us with this. <clears throat> the New Zealand Navy to help us rendition this cocktail called Stormy and Dark, where all the ingredients are actually combined backwards and thus not even remotely close to the same beverage. We remind you to drink responsibly, even if you're doing it backwards. So this cocktail, the Stormy and Dark, is about as easy as it gets. Um, so basically what you're going to do is get yourself a nice Tom Collins or highball glass, you know, add plenty of ice in it. And then you're going to add two and a half ounces of Bacardi eight year Reserva Ocho, five ounces of good ginger beer, which we have some very interesting thoughts about that we'll talk to you about. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to want to garnish it with a lime wedge that you'll want to really use and not leave as just a garnish. And really, that's it. So we actually had uh, two recipes of this. And so you're going to hear um, a bit of Sparky and I kind of, uh, you know, talking about uh, two different renditions of this. Actually, we're uh, let's talk about them straight up. Um, just number one and number two, and then we'll tell people which which. So number one was such a huge ginger barm. Um, <clears throat> it was a little difficult for me to get through any other component of uh, the number one, you know, recipe through this. Um, I just, I really thought it was more like ginger beer with a lime. 
and you, there was rum in there. I promise. I, 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 you know, I really had to kind of tear my way through, you know, number one. So my rating for number one is actually a sips rating of three. Interesting. What do you think about number one? Um, I thought number one. Uh, so I'm a spice freak. I love spicy. There's really nothing too intense for me. But on this one, uh, you know, again, I had a really hard time picking out the rum in in the cocktail. Um, which I think with a with a rum as uh, cultured and sophisticated as uh, the Ocho, you really you really want to taste it, right? You really want that to be a part of your cocktail experience. And this just had like burning lips and burning tongue. It was it was a little too intense for me. So um, I, I'm gonna also have to give that one a uh, three as well. Interesting. <clears throat> so. Uh, the number two, uh, you know, rendition of this, um, I really thought was more balanced. Um, you know, I thought that it you could actually taste the rum, and the rum was very different. Um, there seemed to be a lot more spices that were kind of happening in this. Um, it was definitely sweeter, and not like ginger sweet. It, you could actually taste a lot more of the sugars around this. Um in the rendition that uh, Sparky made for us, I thought it needed a little bit more citrus, and we actually squeezed the lime wedge um, into the drink, and frankly, that was all it needed. Yeah. It just needed just a little hint of something to kind of counteract a little bit of some of that sweetness in it. Um, really great. Um, I didn't think it was necessarily better. I thought it was different would probably be the way i describe it. My sips rating for the recipe number two is actually uh, the same thing. It was a sips rating of three. Interesting. And I really felt that uh, the second version that we made um, was a much more balanced cocktail. Uh, again, to Mike's point, I really started pouring out, uh, pulling out the molasses from it, um, which was a great, great taste to, to balance out the ginger. This ginger beer that we used was uh, way more, uh, I think, suitable for cocktails um, I, I think if I was going to remake this cocktail again, I would probably go ahead and add some lime juice to the, the mixes I'm making and not just leave it as a garnish. Um, I think that might be a good way to go about things. Um, and I would have to give that as well a three. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> so the, uh, the blind reveal, uh, between these recipes is, uh, some slight variation between our rum and ginger beer choices. So, with the first recipe, we actually chose the Bacardi and Fever Tree uh, was the ginger beer uh, version that we used. So uh, the second uh, rendition of this was the traditional Gosling version, which was actually made with Gosling Black Seal rum and with Gosling ginger beer. Um, so that's the uh, the big difference between those. <clears throat> Again, I don't really think that one was better than the other. I just, uh, I thought they were different. I think that if definitely you are a Moscow Mule fan, you're probably going to really enjoy the intensity of the Fever Tree version. No question about it. I think, um, you know, it's got tons of spice. Um, it's, it's just very potent. It's almost like they grated the ginger right in front of your face. I mean, um, that's, I think... Uh, you really have to be careful what rum you pair it with. I think uh, the Gosling's ginger beer really kind of helps the spirit shine through a little bit more. Hmm. Well, uh, I think we both uh, really enjoyed 
uh, both these drinks uh, all the way around. And uh, I don't know that uh, in terms of variation, you know, with that second, you know, with the uh, uh, with the stormy and dark, um, you know, I think that's really the the difference, you know, between them is really the choice that you're going to make with the ginger beer and the rum itself is probably going to have more control and variation than really the portions, you know, uh, as opposed to the first one, which is really paying attention to a bit more of the proportions about the citrus. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, this is a great cocktail that is, you know, fantastic for parties. You know, if you want to whip up a huge batch of these, it really lends itself well to that, you know, whereas, you know, the daiquiri, you know, you can absolutely make a picture of it. But uh, it's a lot easier to have the, you know, two ingredient cocktail or really two and a half if you want to count the lime juice. You know, that's that's a lot easier to whip up a nice batch of those. Mm. Well, and I think it's a, a good alternative for that Moscow mule fan, you know, <clears throat> that may be coming to your party that hasn't really enjoyed a, a very rich, you know, taste experience um, with something that's a rum base as opposed to vodka base. So, um yeah, I, I I definitely think that's a a very good alternative for that as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode <clears throat> around both these cocktails, uh, both a uh, Papa Double as well as the Stormy and Dark, <laughs> as well as the history on each of these drinks as well. Be sure and check out these recipes that are on our show notes as well. Um, well, that's, uh, that's it for our episode. Mike, I appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, you bet. Well, this is good old boy Mike asking you to check out our weekly episodes uh, as well, in addition to this episode. For now, this is good old boy Mike asking you to come back, join us once again, and I'll ask you to keep on sipping. This has been a one-tan-hand production of Sip, Suds, and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your hosts, the good old boys, will see you all next time.